as women, we've always been told it's better to give than to receive. But in doing that, it's now harder than ever for us women to be able to receive and feel abundant. In this episode, join me and my guest, a licensed marriage, family, child psychotherapist, Catherine DeMonte, as we dive into the importance of knowing your worth and owning it, allowing life to flow and the tools you can use to receive and feel abundant. Hi, this is Debbie and this is Light Up Your Worth. This podcast is for you the spiritual curious woman seeking inspiration, hope, and practical knowledge as you navigate a life transition and move forward with confidence in rebuilding a new and radiant life. Each week, you will be given an all-access pass into the lives of other soulful spiritual women who get real and vulnerable as they share their very own unique journey through transition. This podcast is here to provide engaging and heart-centered conversations that offer so much wisdom, ill-motivate you, and light up your worth. Hello, this is Debbie, and this is Light Up Your Worth. I'm so excited again, as always, to bring in one of my amazing guests, Catherine DeMonte. So she is a licensed marriage family child psychotherapist in Southern California. And she's the author and creator of an eight session small group abundance circles that help people call in the one big thing that they've been longing for in life, which could be a romantic partner, better health or financial abundance. She's also the author of a really good book called Beep Beep, Get out of my way, seven tools for powerful creation and living your unstoppable life. The book also has a companion journal and they're based upon stories from these abundance circles and it shares all of the seven tools so that readers can learn them as well and manifest what that has felt exclusive, exclusive for so long. So welcome, Catherine. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, I am super, super excited. You know, I, um, I've talked uh, on the podcast about how I really want women, you know, as we go through transition to be able to have resources, whether it's a, a spiritual or if it's with a, cause I believe in spiritual modalities. I believe in therapy. I believe in life coaching. And so I love that you're joining us with your background as a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. It really, you know, brings in how, you know, spiritual soul connected women can use all these tools to really help ourselves and really work for empowering ourselves and helping those around us. So thank you for, Mm. for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you too, for that nod toward the field that I value and respect so much, a field that helps us sort of look at our stories and decide if it's, you know, if we're living an authentic life or not. And if not, how to get to that self. So thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. I loved what you just said about the field. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's really, you know, I've, um, I don't really think I've said, I've said a little bit um, on other episodes about like, I've been, I've had therapy multiple mm-hmm. times in my life. You know, if I feel that I'm struggling with something um, and I've, the first time I did it, I think it was almost 
gosh, how old was I? I wasn't quite 30. And it mm-hmm. was the end of my uh, 20-year relationship with my son's dad. And I worked with these beautiful women who are also my friends. And they suggested that even though I had financial restraints, that I find a way. And so they referred me over and I end up working with an intern. So our sessions were recorded mm-hmm. and I received so much value. And wow. Good. what I realized was that this was always a tool that I could fall back on when I needed help. And so I've, you know, when I've been through like uh, when the passing of my dad with grief, I thought, oh, what a better time to now go, you know, at the end of my recent divorce, I went and found another therapist. And so I really believe that the therapy works wonderful hand in hand with the other, you know, the spiritual, the coaches, because there's some things that you need to go backwards into, I think, Oh, and I like that. That's mm-hmm. how I, when I went through my own life coaching, they explained that coaching works forward and that oh. the different therapies can help us go back. Oh, I like that. That makes perfect sense to me. Explain like that. Does yeah. that, so how, mm-hmm. how do you see the two, I guess, would be like, because that's how I've always viewed it, but I'm really curious to see what your perspective would be on that. My perspective around the difference is that coaching often begins where a client already knows what their goal is of the goal of making more money or building my practice, or my work or getting uh, my, uh, my name out. Uh, they're pretty clear on the end goal and therapy is about sort of unraveling stories and how did we get here and things aren't working and I'm not quite sure why they're not, but I'm stuck. You know, and I'd like to know why I'm stuck or or how to remove blocks. Um, what you know, what got me here? Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, mm. that does make sense. I I really like that. If you're if you can't really put your finger on it, mm-hmm. yeah. I just know I'm depressed, or I just know I'm anxious, and I can't shake it. I wake up with you know tightness here. I can't stop crying, or or they may know I'm depressed because I can't find a partner or um, my husband and I or my wife and I are fighting all the time. We need tools. And Mm -hmm. so they may know what it is, but there's a thing, there's a thing that's not working in my life and I'd I'd like help on, you know, around it or on it. Yeah. You know, I, um, I was reading some of your book, you know, beep, beep, get out of my way. I love that title. You can just see it. Beep, beep, come on, let's go. (laughs) And one of the the words that I wrote down from your book was living in a state of not having, it feels soul crushing. Hmm. And it really, it really resonated with me of when you're not able to get to whatever it is that one thing is, you know, whether it is the love or the money um, Mm -hmm. or the career. um, I like to think more about love and money than the career um, for for here, you know, and Mm -hmm. I I think a lot of our listeners are probably more in the relationship, the love. uh, Maybe Mm -hmm. they're probably, if they're going through a life transition, there's usually financial aspects to that. Um, So I really loved how you, um, you talked about that. And, you know, when we, in your first chapter, you talk about wounds mm-hmm. and it could be where I know we've had on a, a lot of guests where they talk about trauma 
Mm-hmm. But, but then there's people like myself who I didn't grow up with trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be trauma to create a wound. I like how both Leonard Cohen and the poet Rumi talk about the cracks or where the light gets in. And I think of the wounds that we have and we can't go through life without them. Even in a wonderful childhood, we're going to have some wound of some sort. Um, and that's and the good news about wounds is if we go inside of them, we can we can heal them. It's you know it's that we can find out what's where they came from, what their what their gift is in our life, um, how to get beyond it and be and use the opposite side of it to be a more full person. Mm-hmm. So you absolutely don't have to have had a trauma. In fact, if you were a golden child, you know, in your family and had, quote, perfect parents that praised you all the time and never saw a flaw in you, one would still have a, a wound. They might have a wound of, I have to be perfect in order to be liked. I mean, that could be what message they end up taking away without the parents meaning to. So yeah. and it doesn't have to be inflicted on purpose. It doesn't have to have been unkind, but we all have our stuff. We don't come here and not and be, leave unscathed somehow. Yeah, I think it's that's part of the game. The human experience, right? And Absolutely. How we all decided to be here, and I, yeah. I found that um, I was really curious to find out about how you created and even came up with the idea of these eight session small group abundance circles. So I would love for you to share what it is and, you know, and how did they come, how did they, how did you manifest those? (laughs) (laughs) Um, They came as, um, came out of my private practice, actually. I already knew the tools that would become the seven tools for the circles. By the way, there, you're right, there are eight sessions, but there are seven tools. One of them is kind of a doozy and it's shadow work. And so that one takes two. So, um, there are these are things that I've known for a long time, and when people came in, I sprinkled them here and there where I saw they were fit. You know where I saw they fit. Um, things like the importance of knowing how to receive, because we, especially women, are very bad at receiving, even compliments, for example, or help. But if we are trying to attract something, we better have exercised our receiving muscle. So I would just mention that. You know, I'd mentioned to somebody I noticed. It's difficult for you to receive, you know, and let's look at that. Or uh, their shadow material would come up and we would have wonderful sessions on that. Or I noticed their self-talk was really poor. because As people are sharing, what happens in a therapy session reveals what, what their outside of therapy session life is like. And I've noticed they say things like, oh, so dumb. I can't believe I did blank. Or I am such a klutz and, you know, and I, so I noticed... I would bring up the power of I am statements. So those three things I just mentioned, the I am, the, the finesse of receiving, um, what was the other, and the shadow work, those and others became the tools for the session. And I thought if I, these work, are working so well individually for people, they were gathered together, it'd be exponentially more powerful. And if they spoke their words out loud to others that are holding space, I believe that when we speak our words out loud, they become real in the world. So that's that's much more powerful than writing it in our you know our journal at night on our bed and then tucking it away. Although that's awesome as well. But you've spoken it out loud, 
you know, when two or more are gathered, then it's bigger. And the others are holding up your vision. So because you've spoken it out loud and they'll they'll send you things in between session, like, you know how you wanted to do such and such? Well, here's an email that talks about that. Or so you're getting support for your dream. So that's how the abundance circles came about was, was thinking I need to gather women together. And sometimes men have been in it as well, by the way, um, but mostly women because we don't get a lot of support for our dreams. So I thought if I gra- gathered up a group and we got these in order, uh, that would be much more powerful. When I mentioned the tools, though, what I wanted to say is, though I knew them for a while, I believe that the order of them and the idea of an abundant circle was actually channeled by me. Mm. Um, I started seeing them in the order they showed up in the book and in the order that they showed up in the abundant circle. Um, I would see something about that tool for a while and think, huh, that's interesting. I keep reading about how important it is that we be good at receiving. That's funny because I already know that. And, but it came across my desk and, oh, now there's an email that and somebody sent it in a blog. Oh, now it's on our, now the word receiving is on the license plate of the car in front of me. Huh? Interesting. And then the next one would show up. <laughs> and then the next one I thought, I think something's going on here. And then I realized, and I asked what it was and they said in an abundance, well, it said, you were going to be starting something with these tools. And I said, what is it? And they said, it's an abundance circle. So I've just paid attention when they came. If I got something for a while, um, like something kept showing up for a while in a synchronistic way, I knew it was the next tool. And at the end of the seventh, I asked if there were more and got a clear no. So that's... Oh, isn't that that a wonderful way to, you know, receive... And really even express the, or demonstrate what receiving can look like. Oh, that's a good point. So very receiving of them and receiving the tool and coming so naturally and easily when like we would like ideally for receiving to be, you know, since receiving is not about getting, it's allowing. And so when we're allowing life to flow, things show up like these clues did or these tools did as clues. Yeah, that's just beautiful. And I, you know, I, I have always seen that with women, especially women, the importance of being able to receive. Yeah. Yeah. That is, yeah, it's, I, I would love to hear more about how you've seen that show up in your work, you know, like, why why do we have such a hard time as women yeah there i think there are several reasons why it's so hard we've grown up being told it's better to give than to receive we've also become uh further away from our um what we as women come in as which is um the archetype for female is a chalice which gets filled up but we've moved away from receiving and instead are competing and and we feel like to receive might be weak so that might be in there we also may feel if we're getting for example a compliment from someone we don't know well that they might want something from us especially a man like maybe they're just complimenting me but don't mean it maybe there's an agenda so we learn to you know like let it bounce off um we may see it as weak my son told me 
years ago that when he used to hold, if you went into a bank, for example, or in another building with a heavy glass door and pushed it open for himself, he would look behind him to see if there was somebody that needed it to be held open for him because he's polite <laughs> and mm-hmm. he would do that. And sometimes women would walk right past him and not even acknowledge he was there. And it, at first he thought it was insulting. And I, we talked about it a bit and it, it is insulting. And I think it's also, if I acknowledge you've done something for me, I feel indebted or I feel less than. And he said it happened a lot. It wasn't a one-time thing, but that most often he wasn't, they didn't receive that somebody's done something for me. We don't receive a compliment. When they say, oh, this old thing, I got it at Ross. It was $3. And I don't know why we do that instead of thank you. But I, you know, I think it may also feel like we're being conceited to just say thank you. Like, yeah, I know. And if we didn't know, we could, we could just say that too, like, thank you. <laughs> so I think those are the reasons we don't. But it's actually going against our nature to not mm-hmm. receive it as a woman and not fill up the chalice. And I wonder if that might be why I don't I've never read this, but I I have a hunch that might be why so many diseases that women face now has to do with depletion, like Crohn's disease and chronic fatigue and a lot of, you know, a whole host of Mm -hmm. diseases that are about not having filled up our own cup, but running, you know, full speed ahead without filling up our tank. Yeah. Then the reading I've done too with, with like, say example, um, adrenal fatigue, because I've mm-hmm. have struggled with adrenal fatigue on and off mm-hmm. of trying to do so much and to be, be at all, you know, mm-hmm. where they said that we could have it all in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. didn't we all, how many of us tried yeah. to do that, you know, had, or going to school, have family, young families, or um, you can have that career and a family and, uh, not that you can't have it all, but you can't do everything that has everything to do with that. That was, I think, right. before Instacart, right? And, uh-huh. you know, where you, <laughs> the only thing you could order for delivery was pizza. You know, you can't <laughs> feed your family pizza every day. Um, yeah. But then we were the ones even providing why did all of the caregiving, you know, historically yeah. fell upon us. And yeah. um, I I do believe that too, that it, that is all part of it. And it all kind of... Um, we kind of stuff it down, right? Mm-hmm. Part of the whole, you got to be good. The good girl mm-hmm. is more yeah. of a, a martyr too. Mm-hmm. Than, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we still see that in today's, I don't think as much as the, in the younger generations, I think mm-hmm. we see, I, I, what I see is less of it, but then especially our group, I'm 55. I constantly share my, my age on this one here, because I think it gives context. You know, I grew up in the seventies, mm-hmm. graduating from high school in the early eighties. And so mm-hmm. it was normal for us mm-hmm. to do that. And it was more self-centered. Mm-hmm. Or you would say that, oh, she's a really high maintenance, demanding mm-hmm. girl. And mm-hmm. then I think now, right? Like, wow, that's a lot of uh, cultural subconscious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And it goes it goes against our grain. We're actually moving away from the archetype of receiving to compete on that level. As you said, like in the, in that time and and the 70s and 80s um, of competing to be with men or accepted by men or with them. I remember even wearing ties sometimes for fun, but 
I still was wearing ties, you know, I still was dressing that way, even if I thought it was cute, like Annie Hall ish. Mm -hmm. Um, But men weren't weren't doing that um, in reverse. It was we we were trying to be more in the male back then, I think. And that goes against our our makeup. and, and, and it goes against receiving. And for all those reasons, I think we just got depleted. And I also agree that I don't see that in younger women as much. And I applaud that. But they don't seem to be doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's nice when you see it, when they actually will voice, use their voices. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, like, no, like, or just even ask for what they need. I love that. Yeah, yes, absolutely. They care less about pleasing you. You know, like I'll push down my voice that you're happy, you know, than than Mm -hmm. we grew up with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super, super powerful. So, and I I love how you have, um, you know, pulled this into your book, you know, in that first chapter, the wounds that you talk about in which we've touched on already that, you know, it doesn't have to be some big trauma, but an understanding with how it falls into the abundance of, you know, when two or more gather. Mm-hmm. how we really can shine the light on each other. Um, but I do you think it has to do with, and this is from your book too, is that this is all programming and I'm going to read it, programming that ran under her conscious radar. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I find that fascinating the way you're understanding how we go from like the receiving Mm-hmm. Not wanting to receive and how is that programming, you know, with mm-hmm. um, like, oh, she's selfish mm-hmm. or self-centered and, you know, that competing. We, we may have heard it uh, directly if we were playing with other children and had a favorite thing we didn't want to share. We may have been told to stop being selfish. Or we may have uh, felt like we were too much or too little. Um, Even if our parents couldn't spend time with us, we may have made up a story that I'm too much or I'm too needy. So it might not have been said directly. But in either case, whether we heard it directly or we inferred it, it went in. And that's what I meant about under the radar. It went in like a story and then would find proof of it because of our bias or that being true. Um, so somebody could come along and smack of the same thing and be like, see, I knew I was selfish. I knew that's a bad thing. So that's, then it starts running our programming. As fascinating as this conversation is, we are going to pause for a moment and we'll be right back. Hi, Debbie here. Are you a lover of essential oils, crystals, energy healing work? channeled messages, positive affirmations. Well, do I have something to share with you? My friend Nikki is the owner of Sage Essential Oils. She's on Instagram, sage underscore essential oils. I'll include that in the show notes. But I wanted to share with you that she does these amazing essential oil alchemy blends that have crystals and these amazing blends of essential oils called Ground Alchemy, Calm Alchemy, Uplift, Nurture, Daydream. And they're all these really delicious and yummy blends. She also includes with 
each order a personal intuitive affirmation that's downloaded and channeled just for you and a beautiful postcard. So as a healer, she's a Reiki healer and she does ancestral healing sessions as well. And she's located in Australia. And so if you want to try these amazing things, I highly recommend them. I love them and I use them in my own life. So again, her Instagram is sage underscore essential oils. Let her know that you heard about her here on Light Up Your Worth podcast. Be blessed. Yeah, that's that's really an interesting um, different way, you know. Um, so in the abundant circles, then um, you come together for a period of time, use the, the, the eight sessions with the seven tools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make sure I get the math right. And so and it really is to bring in that one thing that you're longing for. So if they're looking for, say, love or. Yeah, love. We'll just say love. Mm-hmm. Right? Our, mm-hmm. I think everybody wants love, whether it's a friendships or they want a romantic love, mm-hmm. especially in or better health. Mm-hmm. So um, and you had touched on how they meet. But so do you guys do group exercises? Do you guys, you know, like is it sharing or I know like and some things there's talking circles or mm-hmm. how does, what does that actually look like? So it looks like uh, sharing what the tools are and the importance of them, and people start integrating. And as they do their inside work, the outside starts being different. And so, I what I believe happens around there being one one thing that's always elusive to us. You know, it just like some one woman in the book had it all going on. She was only in her early 30s, but had her own house already in a nice big one and plenty of money coming in and travel. She was adorable and funny. And um, what she wanted was was a partner. She wanted to get married, but she was not only not calling that and she wasn't even dating. So that's why I mentioned how what a catch she would be. And yet she wasn't getting that. So she had money, but no love. And uh, other people have a partner, but money was always tight. So they were fighting or not traveling or you know, fighting over money and spending and things. But I think that the reason that there's sometimes a big thing missing is because our energy around attracting the big thing that we've been wanting a while, for a while starts repelling it rather than getting a parking, parking spot uh, slot. Because we sort of do that lightly, don't we? We go, parking lot angel, where are you? And they go, oh my gosh, there it is. We're not attached to it. But if we go a long time without money or we go a long time without love, we start having a kind of needy energy. Like, I don't know why it's not here. I've been waiting all this time. When's it going to happen for me? And when we go to a wedding, we think, how can they get to get married? You know, like we just have a repelling energy instead of knowing that it's there's a sweet spot of wanting it very much and being very clear on exactly what it is we want, not just any man or not just some money, but a particular man, like a, this amount of money would be, would do, do me well. I would like that amount that would pay all my bills and allow for travel and the schools I want to send my kids to. That's the amount I want or the person I want to attract. He's got to be kind. He's got to be loving, loyal, 
we have the same hobbies. Uh, he adores me. I adore him. Like you have to get crystal clear, but it doesn't have a, um, I have to have this energy. It's more like a, you know, clear. And then you sort of let it go like you do with the parking lot spot, you know, and I just expect it's going to show up. But that's hard to do when you really, really want it. So in the circles, you asked what it looks like if we do exercise and exercise in there and things like that. We didn't in the circles, but the book has a lot of exercises for each of the tools. Um, but but uh, watching your energy is one thing so that you're not actually repelling it by saying, I need this. I need to have it. I'm not going to be okay if I don't have it. Then the universe goes, okay, so you need, you say you need it. We'll make sure you need it. We'll keep it here where you need it. Cause you keep saying you need it instead of it's here, it's coming. He's getting ready. Like I am. And we're going to meet soon. He's on his way. He's going to be wonderful. I can't wait to meet him. There's a trust in that. It's very different. Yeah. It's a whole different energy. You can even tell, like, even when you're explaining it, right. Like the, almost like, um, I call it the car payment breath almost, right? Like this, mm. this desperation for yeah. something, you know, like, um, like you absolutely have to have it. Like it's going to fix me. Mm. And in wow. reality, yeah. it's not, it has nothing to do with you not being whole and complete. Right. That's a very good point. Yeah. You're putting all your eggs in that basket. As soon as that happens, I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Instead of in the meantime, I'll do my work and look at my wounds, as you mentioned, and yeah. look at why I'm bad at poor at receiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Watch it my I am state. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds you of like when you hear about um a completely other way of something like when people want a child and they're working and working and finally they stopped and they go and they adopt and then that they get pregnant. Like, yes, it that happens so frequently. I, cause I let go of, I've got to have this. It's going to completely me. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. You surrender. We'll yeah. Adopt. yeah. Or you meet friends oh, who are like really focused on love and did all did, did work, did good things, you know, and then they finally just say, Oh, I'm just good. They kind of stop mm-hmm. looking. And mm-hmm. then next thing you know, they've, they have this wonderful partner. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. The the woman I was describing. Oh, no, ahead. I was going to say I'd love to hear a story about some of the women oh, oh, in the abundance oh, okay. circle. Yeah. Oh, well, perfect. That's what I was going to say too. How that's nice. Thank you. Um, the woman I just mentioned, who wasn't even dating, uh, one time she mentioned again in the circle something about you know that what she wanted to attract was a husband but there was this slight just really slight face she made when she used the word husband just ever so slightly like my husband um kind of like that and I said oh I noticed when you said husband that I thought I caught a little something that I like not sure you wanted or do you can you tell me about that and she goes well I was married very briefly to a guy and I hadn't even known that, even though I knew her as a private client for a while. She never happened to mention that. And then she was in a circle and never mentioned. I'd like. She never said, I'd like to get married again or never said anything about having been married. I always felt like there just hadn't been one. She said, I was married for a while, but it was really controlling. And I got out of it very quickly. I did not. I did not enjoy that experience at all. And I said, oh, so I wonder 
if when you think of husband, if you think of, I don't want that, I don't want that experience. If that's what being married is, I don't want anything to do with that. So, and she said, I think it is. And she kind of teared up. I said, so it, it seems to me you could do one of a couple things. One is change your definition of marriage. Like I, I still want to get married, but I, I don't want it looking like that at all. And think about what you do want. Or you could decide not to get married, but I still want to attract a life partner. We just don't get, you know, get married. But it's everything like a marriage. It's my lifelong partner, my person. But we just don't get married. You could you could do one of those. And she shifted. And after that session, she came, she kept coming in with men she met online and bringing their picture. <laughs> and I met another one and another one. And they, one sounded better than the next. It was amazing. And I joked with her that it seemed like it was raining men <laughs> because she had been in a drought. It was a long time drought. And she she ended up with somebody. It was so lovely to see the shift. So there aren't exercises, but there is going into what what your own blocks might be, just sort of in an organic way through a conversation with yeah. a therapist. You know what really caught my uh, my eye or my ear, I guess, is that when you're talking about this, the circles allow those kind of more organic conversations to mm-hmm. happen, but you're so yeah. aware of catching. Because of your training and your background of helping people, you know, um, on one-on-one sessions, that you mm-hmm. you can actually see some of those nuances, yeah, that yeah. may not come up because it's in a different, um, like venue, I guess, or environment of, mm-hmm. like, have been been able to catch something as simple like, yeah, it wasn't a good thing, it was controlling, mm-hmm. and then knowing that you can actually reframe what would that look like. Mm. If you are looking for somebody to be married, uh, that's yeah. that's brilliant. To... Mm, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. The the being able to the not being able to catch it normally, except in a therapeutic setting or somebody that's just really really keen on you know a keen observer, um, you know a friend that listens deeply might catch it too, but. What it speaks to is how how deep our programming is that feels so true. Like it feels true that I want to get married or it feels true that men getting married will um, stifle me. Like it just felt so true. So when people are speaking it, they even believe their story. Like I really want to get married. They're repeated over and over again. But what's really under underground is I do. I do want a person, but I also am nervous. And that's okay. Let's figure out what the nervousness is. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't have the light put on it, she would have probably not attracted the men that kept showing up because she would have still been repelling by the unconscious material. Because mm, I, yeah. I want to date. I want to date and I want to get married. Dating is an end to a means. But if I date, I might find somebody who might get married and might be controlled. You could just see how that's a setup for it not showing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could definitely uh see that. I can see then how you were then able to take all of that work with all these uh beautiful women. Um and I wanted to jump into your book, but I wanted to also see if there was um another uh story that you'd like to share from the abundant circles or Ooh. Wow, let's see there are so many um that were just amazing. 
Um, well, there are really neat stories of synchronicity. They're, they're a little less dynamic than some of the people that wanted to attract something and got that very thing. But the synchronicities were really special too. There's a story in the uh, book about um, one a young woman in my abundance circle and her mom um, were driving to my client's grandparents' place because he had just died. So it was the mom's um, the mom's uh, dad. So they were going to grandpa slash dad's place to clean up after he died. And they were talking about him and how much they missed him and how what a wonderful person he was and how um, it'd be nice to get a sign from him. Uh, from uncle harry or grandpa harry and only we knew if he was okay and just when they said that a, a plumbing truck an old plumbing truck that said harry's on it went right by and oh drove off. <laughs> i just got goosebumps <laughs> it was just so amazing and and the importance of synchronicities are that they remind us that that we're on the right track that we're not alone in the universe, or that if we're thinking of something, it might be a sign something's coming, or it might be head this way, might you know, might be leading us in the right direction because we've asked for guidance. So beautiful stories of synchronicity happened a lot, um, and and were just amazing. There's some some of the most fun ones, but but some of the others were pretty amazing too, um, like calling in the thing they wanted, even if it seemed really, really impossible at the time they asked for it. Those were pretty neat. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to call in that there's a lot more listeners <laughs> with the podcast, right? That it's shining the light to more people and they're sharing it. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm going to call that in in the synergy of what we're generating right now and as people are like listening that. to it i mean what a beautiful story i mean something is you know the synchronicities of even the the car the truck driving by i mean yeah if it yeah. is i'm sure it's going to give a lot of people goosebumps or you know like you could just mm-hmm. almost physically feel i felt it you mm-hmm. know of how uh, powerful that was at that moment and mm-hmm. how much joy that that could bring to somebody in peace mm-hmm. yes yes and i thought the fact that it was an old truck was fun you know as opposed yeah. to a quick motorcycle and, the, and harry was the license plate or something it was an old plumbing truck yeah an old driver and yeah. i just loved it yeah probably <laughs> something that like when he thinks of a truck or how we would drive would probably <laughs> yeah. be more, more relevant to him probably yeah. at that age group. So how cute. As fascinating as this conversation is, we are going to pause for a moment and we'll be right back. So yeah. I wanted to go into um, your book, you know, beep, beep, get out of my way. Okay. So we have to ask how in the world did you come up with this title? <laughs> oh, um, I was thinking about the people who called in the thing they wanted is I think maybe one of them in particular was that woman who is now, it's now raining men. Cause I remember it being so from one thing to the next that you, you did the universe said, not only do I see you, but I raise you one or two or three. <laughs> yeah. but you were just sort of unstoppable when that thing you've been longing for, for so long, finally came in, you did have it. It was in your life and you are also applying it to other places getting not only that, but more because these tools work for whatever you turn your sight on. You know, you not only called that in, but, and I think on top of it, I want a house for the two of us now and a garden 
and travel and a dog. You know, you just <laughs> you can start like you're unstoppable. You're on fire. But the literal. Um, so that's how Unstoppable came in. But the literal title came in when I still had already channeled all the tools in, still didn't have a title yet and wasn't concerned because I wasn't close to finishing it by that point. But my dogs were in front of me as I was trying to put something away in, a, in my dresser in my bedroom. And I was like, beep, beep, get out of my way. And they did. But then I, it hit me that that was the name I got. That's the name of the book. And I still didn't know the name of the I had a, it took a while to get to the subtitle, but I thought, oh my gosh, that's it. That's, that explains it exactly. It's like, beep, beep, get out of my way. Because I think of them as being so unstoppable when they, when it's finally there. Yes. I love that analogy. Yes. You know, Thank you. yeah. Like get out, let's move these unconscious belief system. Let's yeah. take everything out of way of pulling in those blocks of manifesting that one thing yes that we all have oh. yes we all have something don't we yes yeah. yes we do we do I know I do you know mm-hmm. um and so I'm assuming everybody does right because mm-hmm. I am our listener <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh, yeah well the you goodness know. is when when these are applied that thing shows up and then you realize if I can get this big thing I can get the smaller things and that's what felt unstoppable too, mm-hmm. was that I can I can use this to get anything. It's there's there's this sort of secret formula, and I found out what it is. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not speaking as me, speaking as the reader or the abundance circle. But it becomes kind of like the word abracadabra. Like knowing these tools has helped me open the door that was blocked and locked. You know that by saying abracadabra, universe, I'm looking at my limiting stories and I'm watching my thoughts and I've cleared my shadow. Um, I'm, I'm watching the way I'm asking in terms of energy. I guess that's my abracadabra. Yeah. I could use that abracadabra wand right now. I, you know, what I found really um, beautiful is that when I went to Amazon with your book, you, ha- you do have an available sample of your book. And so I started mm-hmm. to read it. Um, Because I haven't finished reading the whole book, but I wanted listeners to be aware too, you know, for the interested in getting the book that they can even get a read a little bit and I'm Mm -hmm. sure they're going to want more. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really love how you started out with how you learned these tools and you talk about this gentleman named Tim. Mm-hmm. Yes, this gentleman Tim. And I would, I would love to see if you would could share a little bit about Tim, and then you know, kind of about this other character. That's okay. <laughs> certainly hand hand to her, but you know, <laughs> I, I and and how programming and subcon, you know, our subconscious, how it kind of comes about. You know, like mm-hmm. it, the stories are great, but I would love for, if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit about Tim. Sure. Sure. I don't mind a bit. Thank you for asking. So Tim was one of um, six children in a family uh, growing up. And so again, he's the middle. And uh, when he, when he was growing up, his dad worked really, really hard to provide for all six. And his mom was a stay at home mom. And he witnessed his dad working really, really hard to pay for private school and enough groceries and a house and things like that. But there never was enough. There were just so many kids that no matter how hard the dad worked, 
there wasn't enough money. So that's what Tim and his siblings grew up watching and witnessing and the dad complaining about it and vocalizing there's not enough money. So then Tim grows up, they all grow up. And when Tim was in his first year of college, um, his mom died very suddenly in a car accident. And the dad kind of fell apart and actually sold the house, even though, as I mentioned, Tim was just in college, but there were younger ones beneath him that still needed a dad at home and needed a parent. But the dad sold the house, moved in with a woman he knew and got married to her that he knew before the mom died and kind of abandoned the family, basically. So the ones older than Tim got lives of their own and moved out because they were old enough to do it. But Tim, who was only 21 or so, um, had to start taking, took it upon himself to buy a house and bring the others underneath his wing, but drop out of college and work two full-time jobs to provide for them. And of course, there wasn't enough money. He, he was, he was, they were blue collar jobs. They were really rough jobs. Um, and there wasn't enough money. So that was his story. He repeated what, you know, I'm trying to be a dad to these kids, the, the younger siblings who got into trouble and struggled themselves because now they're all kind of orphaned in a way with Tim trying to be the dad, but not home much. Not It's not like they gathered at dinner, the dinner table at night or anything. So they really, it really broke the family and created a money story for this guy, Tim. So that dovetails into my story because there's this, there's this, um, analogy that like you say you make your hand a claw you'll say her claws fit his wounds or vice versa when you're in partnership meaning they both have stuff when you find each other on this big planet Mm -hmm. so tim is actually my husband and my my story is that i was an unexpected twin so even on the table after delivering my sister who came first my mom didn't know and the doctor and the nurse did not know I was here and which could be fine if if it was celebrated like look there's another but my mom (laughs) would often talk about how she and the nurse felt like there might be something morbid but the doctor didn't believe her and they got into an argument while my mom's on the table like I know I think there's another and then lo and behold there was it was me and my mom often talked about how difficult that was not only the birth but the surprise, you know, the surprise never, never really said, and it was such a pleasant surprise, but it was always so much more work and it was so hard and it was hard to put one down and the other woke up and then you put that one down, but that woke up with the other, like, it was just so hard. It was so expensive. It was so much work. Um, you, in the way, so she, and she didn't breastfeed us cause there was two and there wasn't enough money to give you two things, but we could pay for things for my older, the older sister. Cause there's just one. So I really felt um, like I needed to pay my way in life. And I would try to be small and not in the way and um, not need anything. I got jobs as young as junior high school and was babysitting in high school and bought my own things. Um, I really tried to make a small footprint. Um, So the way my claws fit Tim's wound was... I was wanting to do things like travel and things, but kind of getting used to being told you, we don't have money for you. And like, I don't have enough money for you. And Tim was probably feeling, I don't know, maybe 
not enough because I was wanting to do things together. We weren't, you know, we didn't do a lot of dating even when we were married or trips together as a family because he was always, he still was always working. Like he was as a young man, even though he was doing well, he was, he always picked jobs where he'd be gone pretty and gone or available seven days a week to his clients because he's in real estate and shows houses. So if he was absent, like he was in college working, but there never was enough was his story. And I had, I kind of believed it because I was used to there not being enough for me. So that's how we will find each other to bring up the old story so that we can ideally look inward at what it's bringing up versus at the other for making me feel this way. And that's what we tend to do in partnership. Like if only he made more, we could travel and have fun. Or he was probably thinking if only she would let me be, I would feel better. And I could just focus on working. And then I'd finally have enough and we could provide. That went on for years. I mean, decades. We probably were married 20 years before we started realizing that there's a, there's a pattern here that's just not working. What a powerful thing to be able to uncover, you know, for your, uh, with you. Um, and really getting down to that belief, was it the, that you shouldn't want more is what I kind of picked up in the book was mm. I shouldn't want more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm lucky to be here after I'm an unexpected guest. I should be, you know, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And, I never knew that that's what it was. I just was okay with there not being enough, supposedly. You know, I was okay. Or we're, we're good. And then I realized it wasn't, you know, it's not that I wanted more things, but more time. And I wanted vacations. And I, I kept going without. And then after a while, but going without for so long was hurting. And it was painful because I wasn't living my authentic life, which was to travel, do things, um, take trips, even small ones. I just felt like living a much more limited life and much smaller version of myself. Yeah. It almost feels like, and you, you mentioned this in here is that on our unconscious radar is that we're certain once certain things happen or certain phases are over. So the when and the then you quote Mm -hmm. that when, and then Mm -hmm. it's almost like our lives are on hold yeah. Until this happens and then this happens. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like your example with the abundant circle too about, okay, now I've had this career. I have the house. I have the money coming in, you know. So then once that's, that's all done, is it now okay to have the partner? Mm-hmm. Or do I really want the partner? How would that you were trigger that? That really still falls into the whole when and then. Because I, mm-hmm. I think as women we do that a lot. Well, once the kids are a certain age, or once they're in school, or once you're done with your education, or once uh, you know it kind of just continues. It really does, doesn't it? Like when blank happens, then I can. And then that thing comes in and like, well, now that that's happened, when blank happens, then I can, instead of it's here now, I have what I need. I'm enough. I deserve to have what I'd like. I, I want to be able to give back. I want to be able to receive. I don't have to wait on in a way because that's waiting for happiness, isn't it? Like it's always elusive. It's always out there, but it's yeah. really right here. Yeah. It's all right here. And then circling back around back around again to this whole receiving the importance of receiving mm. 
for us Mm -hmm. as women. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So now I don't want to share the secrets of the other chapters, but (laughs) you can see why I said this was a really good book. I think we can all benefit from it, you know, and even if we just take away the when and the then to ask ourselves, you know, are we holding on to, you know, starting our lives at any age, any decade? Is are you, is your life on hold in this transition of when certain things happen, when the certain phase of life is over? Mm-hmm. Yes, we can do it over a, a phase or a thing, you know, a thing showing up. Like when this thing shows up, then I'll be happy or satiated, but we, we can have that now. One of the, the last tools, actually, grace and gratitude. And I think that when we when we apply the tools um, and land in a place or even before we've done the tools, the other tools. But if we can at all times live in a place of grace and gratitude as often as possible, I notice things flow more easily into our life as well, because we're not coming from lack. We're not coming from a belief system that says I don't get to have or that this isn't a benevolent place or that there's not enough for me. When we come from a place of there is plenty and I'm really grateful for it, it makes all the difference. It's hard to do that when we perceive something's missing, Mm -hmm. but then we need to watch why, you know, watch our thoughts around that. Like, why does it feel like something's missing? Yeah, that's super powerful. I, I, I have found that grace and uh, gratitude has makes makes a huge difference if I get stuck myself. Mm. And it's one of my mm. frequent tools. So I love that you've incorporated it into the steps, mm, you know, and, you. and even the flow of of how you're sharing about, you know, the receiving, the shadow work, the I am statements. Mm-hmm. I believe that the process flows because I'm all about process too. You know, I have mm-hmm. a lean six Sigma uh, scientific problem solving background. And so process yeah. steps do matter in my world. Uh, they matter, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I really love how you um, articulated in the book too, the, I shouldn't want more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Do you remember what it was about that? That it's it was that um, what what I wrote down was you know how difficult and expensive you were unexpected and there wasn't enough to accommodate mm. me, mm-hmm. so I shouldn't want more. Almost an implied you're being selfish. Yeah. Yes. God forbid we be selfish. You know, have needs. We hope they get met. Yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah. when we're little. Of course, we have needs that we can't meet ourselves. We're dependent at that age. And if that's what went on, get, went in when we were little and we're not aware of it and take it into our adult life, yeah. that's a big one. Yeah. We're not enough where I am too much. Mm-hmm. And I, this is one of the things I also wrote down in that was that our needs won't be met. It can result in a squashing those needs and our voice. Mm-hmm. So there goes our all the work that we do as women on our throat chakra mm-hmm. or feeling entitled, self-centered or craving and demanding unending attention to fill the hole inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are flip sides of the same coin, aren't they? 
Yeah, super important. And I think it all ties into, you know, when I came up with the name Light Up Your Worth was I was in the thought process of once you start really owning that you are worthy, not just up here, but it's in here inside your decisions that you are worthy to have that spot that you should want more. Mm, oh, I like that. Yeah. I mean, aren't we always trying to get it? whatever elevate right and get up higher no matter what that what that is yeah more joy more Mm -hmm. experiences more life more flow absolutely I love that yeah in in your example with you and Tim which is a just a really beautiful story all the details is it was a lot about money you know having to work really hard and long for money but you know, that you shouldn't want more. So maybe somebody doesn't want, I just had an episode actually that almost talks about this. Well, it does Mm. talk about it, about, you know, it's not that you're selfish if you want to go on these trips. It's, Mm. it's that what if you're able to then go on a trip where you have, um, I have a friend who's in Puerto Rico and she's down there saving dogs. Mm. Oh, wow. Wow. And she's taking dogs to the vet and working with the community. I mean, wow. because she has the resources. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't really do the world as much good when we can barely, I mean, when we're scraping by, we don't have an abundance of, of resources. We can do so much more when it's flowing and doesn't feel tight. Yeah. Like you don't have to give the coat off your back. You can actually buy them another coat. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that just came through, right? That was a download. That's not for me, but I was like, "Ooh, that's a a whole other belief system, right?" Because we've yeah, I like that a lot. I like that. It's really good, Demi. It's really true. Yeah, just just or time we can take off. Yeah. We can take off time from work because we don't have to be there. Like we maybe our job allows us more vacation time and still make provides plenty of money and go on these kinds of trips, like you said. Mm-hmm. Or I, I remember when it was really when money was very tight and it was I'd be so crushed if a GoFundMe uh, request came through and I felt like I don't I don't think I have twenty dollars at this time. I would like to, but mm-hmm. it didn't feel good. It feels good to be able to some, when something comes along to be spontaneous and be able to provide. There's nothing selfish about wanting more financial flow. Yeah, it's just energy, yeah. like love. Money is literally just like love, and maybe that's why those are the two places that people bump into things since they're both money in the circles it's health sometimes but mostly love and partnership and money but they're both just they're both just energy yeah everything is energy is Mm -hmm. it albert einstein who said that yeah everything is energy yep and and that's all there is to it i love how he added that too and there's and that's all there is to it Yeah, we're going to just take him, right? One of the brilliant minds. And and yeah. uh, so this has been so lovely. And now if people want to reach out, Catherine, how can they reach you and, you know, for the abundant circles or any of your other, you know, the book or... The, all of that would be on my, my um, website, um, which is my name, Catherine DeMonte, Catherine the C demonte.com and there are links to my book and to the abundance circle and to my work as a psychotherapist all, all on there um that would be the the best 
way. Oh, I hope somebody does. It It just sounds so, so powerful. You know, I just got a download when you were talking about um, your abundant circle, about you expanding it and teaching people mm. how to facilitate an abundant circle. Mm, yeah, that's amazing. I have been, to, you picked that up. <laughs> um, you, you absolutely channel. I channeled that I um, have been thinking it'd be nice to teach others how to do it. I'm also thinking it'd be really lovely when the pandemic is completely over um, to go to cities and do them. I'd really love to, to do to do that and to have other people doing them here, you know, all over. Mm-hmm. That would be really lovely. I really would love to see these tools fly because I've seen how impactful they are on people's lives and have really been transformative not only in calling in the thing they want, but doing really deep healing by looking at things like shadow work or what their their thoughts are that they hadn't paid much attention to that are actually really creating the outside being a certain way, mm-hmm. like the I am statements, but also learning how to come from love versus fear because fear is so repelling. So I, I would love to have more of the circles going. I love that you mentioned that. Thank you. Yeah, it would be it would be beautiful because I think to myself, you know, I'm um, I'm moving here shortly to Flagstaff, Arizona. Mm, and nice. so this will probably air and I will be there, you know, I would have already been there. And I thought, wow, I would um, I would love to be able to join a circle. Right. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I thought, oh, wouldn't that be be lovely to be able to do that it's just such a beautiful energy of where i'm moving um, and so aligned you know yes so aligned yes well the good news is wherever you move um they are now online i started doing them online because of the pandemic and i haven't Mm -hmm. it hasn't lost anything to to be meeting that way even the groups online have gotten really close and are the members are still and from all the different groups, they're all still close to the ones, their cohorts from their class. Mm-hmm. But it would also be fun to travel and do them. I would really like that. Yeah. And and I'd love to do one. Yeah. Oh and wouldn't that be, I can imagine that there are people part of that community who are like, oh, Catherine, I'll be as your volunteer to help mm-hmm. you do this because oh, they've, they've just gotten right. so much out of it too, you know? Oh, that would be nice. Yeah, oh, so I would love that. We're going to send that energy out to the universe. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Thank you. And to that point, um, you mentioned, asked how to get a hold of me. My, all my contact info is also on my website, my phone number, my email, um, things like that. So if people do want to, you know, like this is starting to get people thinking about ho- like, I'd like to host it in this city. That would be fun. Yeah. I encourage them to reach out or reach out to me and I can get it over to you as well. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's, I think sharing the light and having all of us feel that they can want more, right? They can step into their own worth and mm-hmm. and that just by being here, you can take up more space. Yeah. Yes. You're being you're playing small does no one any good. No. Not your kids who are watching how to be in the world or not yourself. And you know, so you're not doing yourself any good, you're not doing your audience any good when when we play small. So mm-hmm. you're so right. It's okay to take up space. In fact, it's what you're doing here came 
here you incarnated so you could take up space and make a difference make an impact yeah especially now we need more light more than ever and yeah yeah, i uh so this was wonderful so Mm -hmm. i hope that they reach out again the book is beep beep get out of my way the seven tools for powerful creation and living your unstoppable life i'll include all of this in the show notes as well um so thank you Catherine this has been such you a delight welcome. thank you oh thank you so much it was my pleasure thank you for having me if you enjoyed this light up your worth episode be sure to share with a soulful friend who needs to hear this message thanks so much for listening and being part of the light up your worth community my heart is full of gratitude for you You are my inspiration to shine the light of spiritual, heart-centered women. Now go out there and shine your own light. Sending you sunshine.